What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. News Talk 1310 WIBA. We've got Joel today in the studio. Joel, how are you doing? Pretty good. It's been a little bit since I've been here. It's been a bit of time. Been a bit of time. It's true. But I'm back. It's nice outside. It's actually incredibly nice outside. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know because I don't have a window in my studio. (laughs) That's true. Can't see the daylight in my studio. That makes me the one percenter of the radio station. For sure. For sure. The bourgeoisie. Are you the bourgeois? The bourgeoisie. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> it, is, it does look amazing out there, though. All right. Well, we're going to talk uh, much more about the Mueller report now that um, the the instant hot takes have been delivered uh, and why the Democrats are not going to give it up. Why aren't they going to give it up? Because they should give it up. It would be smart to give it up. Once the Democrats in Wisconsin realized that, that um, letting... Letting go of the chew toy that was the Scott Walker obsession they had ultimately allowed them to defeat Scott Walker. It did. Um, because the Republicans got a little bit lax uh, because there didn't seem to be any reason to sort of be activated to fight here in Wisconsin. It was, I mean, it worked for the Democrats uh, here in Wisconsin. And they were able to uh, they were able to sell this idea that this bland, moderate guy, Tony Evers, was just going to be a bland, moderate governor. And he's obviously not being a bland, moderate governor. He's a left wing governor who can't seem to figure out how to get any left wing stuff done. Um, but but he got elected promising to be kind of a bland, moderate guy. And because instead of it being all about the evil Scott Walker, the boogeyman Scott Walker, let's obsess and run an illegal investigation against Scott Walker. Um, let's drag everything into court. The Democrats sort of chilled a little bit. And now they think that they may be able to uh, take advantage of purple Wisconsin again. Whereas before, as long as the Republicans were animated, as long as they were, um, as long as they were driven, Wisconsin, a purple Wisconsin was going to stay a red Wisconsin. Um, the Democrats are not going to do that. 
They're not going to. They're going to continue to obsess over Mueller. Uh, and we'll explain the latest. The latest is hanging their hats on one line out of 478 pages in the Mueller report. One line. And the line is, is where President Trump says, this is the end of my presidency. I'm effed. That one phrase, I'm effed. That's what they're hanging their hats on. Now, if you keep reading into the report, you read the rest of the context of that comment where Trump says, um, this is the end of my presidency. I'm effed. Everyone tells me that if you get one of these special counsels, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that ever happened. There's the context. <laughs> but they cut it off before you get the before you get the context of the comment and they're and they're going to and they are trying to hang their hat on that as somehow some kind of proof that Trump knew that there was collusion or obstruction or some crap like that. Anyway, we'll get into that coming up in the program. David Clark will join me on the program. Jim Troopas, my pal, Jim Troopas, uh, fresh from Good Friday Services, will join me on the show as well today. Uh, we'll come back and we'll take a look at the media meltdown with Dan Gaynor from Newsbusters and Media Research Center. Um, I'm going to take a break, though. We'll be right back with Dan Gaynor. the program. So let's we'll get to why I think the Democrats aren't going to give this up. I think there is a there's a fairly simple psychology behind it. And uh, and we'll get into that. But let's talk about how they're not giving it up. I mean, wow, you had Brennan essentially saying, you know, it was like it was like a, a, a really subtle way that Mueller described collusion. You had uh, CNN's panel with Chris Cuomo talking about how sophisticated people, sophisticated minds could see collusion and obstruction. Um, you've got everybody on the left obsessing over the one line where Trump says, this is the end of my presidency. I'm effed conveniently neglecting to provide the context for that line. Dan Gaynor's on the phone with me, Media Research Center. There's not a chance, a snowball's chance in hell that the Democrats are going to give this up. They're going to keep trying to find ways to beat the dead horse, thinking that the twitching from the beating means it's alive. Well, they, they can't give up because they've been telling everybody for two years that the President of the United States was essentially a traitor. And there's, there's no going back from that. There's not like, oops, are bad. Uh, you know, they and the press conspired to take down the President of the United States. This was not a subtle thing. This was a coup. Just because we don't have troops in the streets or, you know, people getting arrested in the middle of the night, that doesn't mean it wasn't a coup. And it's exactly what it was. And look how ridiculous they look. There was one uh, liberal lawyer who tweeted yesterday, tweeted, you know, as this was all happening, 451 times in a series of comments that got to the point where he was hoping he'd get the 420 soup, he'd all make marijuana jokes. Uh, I mean, it was just a joke. You had Maggie Haberman for the New York Times, one of the allegedly most prominent journalists in the country, going after the Trump administration because they dared to play the song Adelweiss. Yes! Apparently, apparently she had never seen Sound of Music. I know, I saw that. I, that was I, awesome. She I thought it was a Nazi reference. 
Yeah, my, my mother is the one who instilled in me great musical knowledge. And uh, so I have this ability to understand that the people who hated the Nazis are the ones who sang Edelweiss, not the reverse. And just because you're watching, you know, uh, Man in the High Castle, which uses the song, doesn't mean it's a Nazi song. In fact, the whole plot of Man in the High Castle is, of course, to kick the Nazis out of the United States. So, so I, But this is how desperate they are to find a new narrative, because they told us for two years, they lied to us for two years, that the President of the United States was illegally elected and an agent of a foreign enemy power. Yeah, I think they believe the lies, too. I think they may not, you know, they, they also recognize that there was an awful lot of fake news out there, but in their hearts of hearts, they believe the lies. And so... Everything was justified based on the belief in the original lie. And and so, I mean, when people actually convince themselves of their own wisdom, of their own virtue, of their own truth, and, the, and, and have supported the destruction of American institutions, have, have allowed um, a weakening of the respect of the rule of law, have teed up and justified mob actions against kids at pro-life rallies wearing MAGA hats, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Of, uh, that's a lot of evil to justify. Those are a lot of, of means that you have to justify for the ends that never appeared, Dan. And so, you know, oh, Edelweiss, okay. I mean, what, who, who's really at the end of the day going to not invite Maggie ha- Haberman to a, to a cocktail party because she made a mistake on that one? Well, and that's, uh, of course, see, there's no repercussions for anybody in the press who did this. That's what it comes down to there. You see, uh, Crazy April Ryan coming out and saying that oh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders needs to yes. All right, now let's now it's Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Literally, literally, um, no rational, mentally healthy person cares about Sarah Huckabee Sanders in the Mueller report. Yeah, but nevertheless, the press care because they want to get their pound of flesh. They want somebody to pay for them failing to stop the Trump presidency. That's what all of this goes back to. Here's my question, I wonder, though. The Republicans that that got conned by this, you know, there were a lot of Republicans who maybe they didn't believe it, but they didn't disbelieve it either, had been hanging back and reticent to do anything meaningful with their time in office because they were worried that there was some there there, even though we've been telling everybody there's no there there. So I wonder if we may actually see the continued obsession by the press and the sort of freedom now, the liberation of some of these reticent Republicans to not have to be worried any longer. And and we may actually see something that looks like an, you know, an, an honest to God pushback against this madness. Yeah, I wish. I, but you're basically asking the GOP to act like they have um, cojones. No, I'm act, I'm ask, no, I'm not actually. I'm not asking them to be to be bold and be brave. Um, being bold and brave is to do this before the Mueller report comes out. I'm asking them now to sort of look at the world around them and say, you know, now that they've stuck their finger in the wind and they know which way the wind is blowing, to actually go with the wind. Go with the wind. Because the wind is at your backs, my friends. The problem with that is basically you're, you know, that they're hoping that they will... Will um will stop blowing, and I think the <laughs> the, the administration you know, is pushing them, and they just they just want to. You know, what's that expression? Get someone get something suck and blow at the same time, and that's the GOP on the hill. They don't want to defend the things that they were voted to get on get elected. 
And you know, Donald Trump is just an excuse. He's just the latest excuse. Remember, they said, oh, if we got both houses of Congress, oh, yes. Remember, they said if we had one house of Congress, they'd do this. Oh, if we got the presidency, we'd do it. They got had literally You're every, right. every part, and they still didn't want to pass because they ultimately don't want to stop illegal immigration. They don't want to stop abortion. They don't want to, don't want to do anything because that's who they are. Trump is, you're right. Trump was an excuse for, for some Republicans. I won't say all. There are some good ones. In fact, we put better ones in, you know, in the last couple of elections. But you're right. Some were just using him as an excuse to not do the things that they themselves campaigned on because they actually didn't believe it in the first place. These were some of the same people who had been trying to cut deals to to allow what amounted to amnesty protections for illegal aliens. And so but now that excuse is gone. Now that excuse is gone. One wonders what the next excuse will be. I guess we'll point at Nancy Pelosi and say there's nothing we can do about it because Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House now. but, you know, I, I, at the same time, I, I know that there were some Republicans who were just afraid that they would be caught having to explain things they were not capable or, or um, you know, or, or prepared to explain that no longer have that hanging over them. So and and I will say this, Dan, I mean, if Lindsey Graham, if Lindsey Graham can become Lindsey 2.0, if he can suddenly have w- woke up one day and said, oh, my gosh, these people aren't my friends. They want to destroy America. I say anybody can. Oh, well, you're 100% right about that. But remember, they're going to steal gate keep getting hammered by the press. And they don't want, none of them want to, oh, you're standing by the president. He's got this and this and this for the smaller report. No one cares. The vast majority of Americans, you know what they're focused on right now? Baseball, Game of Thrones. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key something for everyone you'll find museums and wildlife refuges wide open beaches miles of warm clear water and the historic seven mile bridge for more about marathon and the latest safety protocols visit flakeys.com slash marathon and then final avengers movie yes that's what the americans care about they don't care about this garbage it's absolutely true. The, the obsession on this particular story that has been the bread and butter of the ever-dwindling viewership of left-wing, particularly cable outlets. Um, no, I mean, the only people who cared about that were the, were the, were the radicalized left. And, you know, they didn't care as much either because the moment we heard that there was no collusion and no obstruction coming out of the Mueller report, what now, about three weeks ago, Rachel Maddow saw her viewership cut by 50%. So even those folks really, at the end of the day, were looking for a reason not to pay attention anymore. Yeah, but what is what happens when your political beliefs turn into your religious beliefs? Correct. And now and now we know who the true believers are on this one, too. Um, But I think it's I I do think it's it will be interesting because I don't think there's any way this is like the, the Democrats getting themselves stuck in one of those Chinese finger puzzles. They don't realize that, you know, that they're that they're not actually stuck. You can get out of this as long as you do what you don't want to do. They want to keep pulling. You can't do that. They actually have to. I mean, honestly, here in Wisconsin, the Democrats put themselves back together when they stopped 
daily obsessing over Scott Walker. I mean, they were still obsessing in the back of their minds, but they weren't showing themselves to be the whack jobs that occupied our capital and did all kinds of crazy things in the state. And I tell you what, we have short attention span voters. They have they have short memories. Six months from now, nobody remembers who said what, who did what. And and that's what if the Democrats actually want to sort of, you know, sustain themselves and not be beholden to the crazy kook contingent that is calling for global socialism, then they've got to allow Trump to be normalized. Yeah, but they don't want to allow Trump to be normalized because that means their hardcore voters, who are all a bunch of crazy whack jobs, won't turn out for the primaries and won't turn out for the general. And when that happens, then they lose elections. So they are caught in this crazy you know, uh, puzzle box because if they go one direction, if they go the crazy left way, then they get Howard uh, Schultz running as an independent in between, taking away a lot of their voters. And if they don't, their own voters don't vote for them. I know, it, because normalizing Trump is their kryptonite. It just is. This is like the, the, that's how that they don't realize that um, that that the kryptonite's not going to kill them. That it's not real kryptonite. It's just America, and and I mean we actually don't want the radicals. We don't want to be yelled at all the time. We don't want to be constantly accused of bigotry. We don't want to be all accused of being Klansmen or Nazis. Believe it or not, a whole bunch of people like how the economy is going. As you say, lots of people would. Prefer prefer to watch a baseball game, watch the NBA, watch Game of Thrones, watch the new Avengers movie, play with their children, go to Easter service, whatever that might be. And they don't want to have to be harassed about it. But that's what the Democrats can't accept is that not virtually no one wants what they're demanding or wants what they're what they're promising and yelling at us about it isn't going to make us want it if we don't want it. And of course, nevertheless, that's what we're going to get. We're going to get tons yep. more. Um, you can expect when, the, when Monday rolls around, there's going to be a huge media fiasco. Of, you know, journalists going nuts because they're going to. They, this is their narrative. They're, when you say the president of the United States is a traitor, there's not a lot of narrative. It's true. Left. Really, it's kind of hard to walk it back. <laughs> It is. It's kind of hard to walk. You can do it, though, and they should. Um, But instead, it's very much like Dan Rather when he got caught with his pants down um, promoting a fake story about George W. Bush. And his response was, well, it's fake, but accurate. The Democrats apparently did not learn their lesson from fake but accurate and how devastating it was to them when that came out. No, and they don't want to learn it now because they've got Ocasio-Cortez pushing them from the left, sending them messages from the future, which she actually posted on yes. a video that she did with The Intercept. Uh, you know, that's you know, the future where we have bullet trains from New York to D.C. I can tell you this, she only did, the message is only 12 years in the future, and there's not a prayer in the world you can even get the zoning done. No kidding. You know what? I want a bullet train from Madison to D.C. How about that? How about a bullet train from Racine to New York? Why is it always a bullet train from New York to D.C.? Because we don't matter. The rest of us. The journalists, the liberals, the lobbyists, and the politicians. Thanks, Dan, for jumping on today. Great to have you. Have a happy Easter. All right. Thanks very much. Dan Gaynor, Media Research Center, Newsbusters.org. Also, you can read Dan's um, columns at FoxNews.com. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the program. Welcome back to the program. So, yeah, the, the left, whether you want it to be true or not, is going to continue to obsess, even though the Mueller report found nothing. First, a couple of things to say. The Mueller report is incomplete. Robert Mueller failed to do his statutorily mandated job in the Mueller report. And that is um, by leaving the question of obstruction to bar, Robert Mueller failed his mandate. It is his responsibility to decline or decide to recommend charges. That was his statutory responsibility. He didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? He didn't do it because he was playing politics. He was hoping to toss a bone to the Democrats. Um, as I explained yesterday on the program, the legal theory Mueller used was novel, so novel, it had never even been conceived of before. And that was that the president did not enjoy any constitutional protections being the president. So that was very novel, very novel. Um, and that is why Virtually nobody thought that pursuit of obstruction was going to be a fruitful path for Robert Mueller. And sure enough, with the with the um, the 10 things that I went through yesterday that supposedly uh, caused Mueller to question whether or not obstruction charges would be appropriate. Things like Corey Lewandowski being told to call the Mueller investigation unfair by President Trump. Lewandowski forgot to do it, but I mean, it was things like that. All right. So that so I mean, obviously, you conclude that and that's what Barr and Rosenstein did. Actually, Rosenstein's no fan of President Trump. But Barr and Rosenstein said, we're going to accept this novel legal theory, even though we actually reject this novel legal theory. We'll pretend that it's okay, And we'll take a look at the evidence for obstruction. Remember, the president can commit crimes in office, um, but these sort of modest complaints that were detailed in the Mueller investigation don't even come close to rising to anything that would not be protected, um, nor do, do they rise to anything that could be prosecuted as per se obstruction. But so that was a politics. Mueller did that for politics. And you can tell that it was politics because the rest of the report reads like like a snarky complaint um, and trying to find every way in his power to detail uh, comments or pieces of information that were selected to embarrass the president. So that was so he, he I think he knew, well, the Democrats are going to keep trying to hang their hat on this thing. So maybe I can give him a little bit of a hat rack. And sure enough. Democrats are desperately trying to figure out ways to make this two-year investigation based on a lie, a slanderous lie that came out of a ridiculous scandal document paid for by Hillary Clinton, totally unsourced. They, They need to find a way to stick to it. They need to find a way to continue to pretend they weren't wrong. 
Some of them don't believe they were wrong. Some of them still believe that he had to do something bad because we invested so much emotional energy into the belief that the mean orange man was so uniquely dangerous that everything and anything was justifiable to get him out of office, including weaponizing the DOJ, weaponizing the FBI, the CIA. They justified so much illegal activity and so much damage to the Constitution that, you know, I mean, now to just say, oops, I'm sorry, it's not something that, that any of them have the courage to do. Because look what they've done. I mean, everything has followed from their, their declaration that the mean orange man was a threat. Their declaration that he was a puppet of Putin. I mean, everything they've done since attacking Brett Kavanaugh by obliterating due process and allowing a totally unsubstantiated and at the end of the day, most people concluded disproved allegation against him that came out of a belief that because he was selected by the mean orange man, he had to be personally destroyed. Look what they're doing to Barr right now. The attorney general has to be destroyed. He has to be destroyed because we declared that the mean orange man was such a threat that we needed to obliterate the constitutional protections of this republic. We needed to destroy faith and institutions. So, and we, the elite, have determined that these institutions are less meaningful than our desire to see the mean orange man impeached. There's no way that they're going to just simply stop, reflect, carefully consider their actions and apologize. No, they should. They should. The media is not going to do it either because the media staked 100% of its reputation on Russian collusion. Not obstruction, by the way, but Russian collusion. The, 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 the hop, skip, and a jump from collusion to obstruction, which is now, of course, um, a, a hop, skip, and a jump beyond that even, to the penumbras and emanations from the Mueller report in the form of Donald Trump saying, this is the end of my presidency, I'm effed, thinking that somehow that's meaningful because as long as you don't read the context of that particular sentence, you can still pretend to yourself that there's something so uniquely abominable about this guy that everything you did to try to get him, the coup, weaponizing the most powerful agencies of government, all of it's justifiable. Oh my gosh, people, I mean, think about, just be, have it be you for a second. You've committed so completely to a lie that you've started to convince yourself you believe it. It becomes abundantly clear that it's a lie. You have one of two things to do. You can continue to pretend the lie is real, which would probably make you feel better because you can still pound the desk and you can still be righteously angry. Or you admit you got snookered. You admit you got bamboozled. It's like people who get suckered by the Nigerian email scam, who get who get conned into thinking that if they give some random guy they've never met five thousand dollars, 60 million dollars will be theirs for the taking. And they don't call the police and they don't admit to it because they feel so damn stupid and embarrassed that they got that they got suckered in the first place.
That's kind of that's kind of what what is going on here. You've got the now something else. The cascade that emerged based on the lie and the promotion of the lie by people like Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and Maxine Waters and the entire ilk and their enablers at CNN and MSNBC on the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post is that they weaponized the radical left. They essentially made the case that this guy is so dangerous. He's a, he's a puppet of Putin. He's a Nazi. He's this, he's that. That they encourage the radical left to actualize their anger in the form of violence. And it's justified because that Covington kid wearing the MAGA hat was wearing the MAGA hat. And the MAGA hat means he supports President Trump. And President Trump is awful. So they teed up a violent mob and empowered the violent mob with virtuous, righteous indignation. Like somehow every action they took was justified in the name of the ultimate good, which was to get rid of Donald Trump. How do you walk that back? How do you walk back telling a whole bunch of people that it's okay to attack someone simply because you believe them to be proxies for the president? Kind of tough to do that. How do you, 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 you get on CNN and you say, all right, everybody, um, sorry, stop attacking the people in MAGA hats. You don't do that. They justified everything from attacking Melania Trump to attacking Barron Trump to attacking anybody who might have said the word Trump. Now, if the Democrats were smart, and they're not, if they cared about America, and they don't, they would say they're sorry. At the very least, they would just simply say, okay, well, thank you, Robert Mueller, for the thorough investigation. It does appear that although we disagree with the way the president behaves and we are uncomfortable with his tone and style, we accept the conclusions of the Mueller report and move on. Because six months from now, if they did that... Nobody would be talking about the Mueller report, which means nobody would be talking about the inspector general's report, which is soon to be released, which means nobody would be paying any attention to Lindsey Graham's launching of an investigation and the investigators. Six months would go by and no, but you would have to allow the normalization of President Trump to take place in the interim. It worked when the Wisconsin Democrats did it. When they finally allowed Scott Walker to become normalized, he was able to be defeated. As long as he was a superhero, as long as he was their super their super enemy, he couldn't be. But when he was just Scott Walker, as opposed to the Antichrist Scott Walker, he lost an election. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. Democrats, they've committed. They've teed up radicals. They have unleashed the ignorant liberal masses on themselves. On themselves. So, I I mean, now how do you want... Nancy Pelosi is learning that it is impossible to put the, the genie monster back in the bottle. I mean, AOC doesn't care that Nancy Pelosi mocks her as a glass of water. She doesn't care. Doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter that that other Democrats are calling her dumber than a box of rocks. It does not matter. So you've got the, you've got you've got Democrats being ripped to the insane left. Elizabeth Warren just today because she's desperate to become uh, a contender in the primaries. I think we should take the Mueller report and impeach Trump on what? I mean, based on what? I mean, he didn't even have a fling based on what? Nothing. So that's how bad it's gotten. Now, you've got every presidential contender committing to blowing up the Electoral College. Why? Because the obsession with the mean orange man and their rejection of the legitimacy of middle America voting for him caused them all to call for elimination of the Electoral College. So now you've got every Democrat chasing that. AOC gets elected on this enthusiasm to just jettison the rules, jettison the rule of law, the Constitution, because everything is justified based on your hatred of the mean orange man. This is why the Democrats can't do much about this right now. They could apologize. They'd lose in 2020 for sure. But they might actually remain a viable party that has anything positive to say about America in the future. But that would be putting America first. And they're not going to do that. Here's Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer is now is going to be primary. I bet he loses. He might even resign. The House Majority Leader is facing a challenge from a 28-year-old secretary, part-time student, who happens to be a liberal, intersectional, woke black feminist. Steny Hoyer, his kind of average Joe district in Maryland. He's, he, I, I would not be surprised if he doesn't retire. Because this is what the Democrats allowed to be weaponized because they thought, they thought they were going to be able to use these these weaponized radicals to take out Trump. And then they thought they'd be able to control it. But you can't. If they did it, though, I mean, the, the same thing was going on, by the way, in Wisconsin. The more the Scott Walker hatred seethed, the more the Democrats were willing to throw rational rules to the wind and the rule of law to the wind. I mean, the hatred was pretty profound when 14 Democrats left the state creating a constitutional crisis. Everything got dragged into court. I mean, Scott Walker was everything from Hitler to Jeffrey Dahmer to the Antichrist to Satan. I mean, Scott Walker, he's a Boy Scout, literally, an Eagle Scout. His dad was a minister. He's not, if, you ever, if you've never met him, if you have met him, he's a mild-mannered, polite man. They turned him into a monster. Now, Donald Trump is not a mild-mannered, polite man, but he's not a monster. The moment the Democrats just, I mean, it's, you had to, they had to be beaten into submission. They did. They had to be beaten into submission to the point where the Republicans felt comfortable enough not to pay attention any longer or to pay not to not pay attention, to pay less attention. And once they once they did accept that Scott Walker was the governor, accept that Act 10 was the law of the land, accept these things, allow them against their their own fear to be, quote, normalized. You could take out Scott Walker. 
And they did. With a guy with, with, with the, the, the least inspiring Democratic candidate in the history of Democratic candidates. I mean, Mary Burke is exciting compared to this guy. But they did it. And they allow in, in a moderate message on a moderate Dem message that actually trended a little bit conservative with Tony Evers promising he wouldn't raise taxes, which was, of course, a lie. And now everybody's realizing that. But on a message that actually trended toward center right fiscal policy. Tony Evers defeated the evil Scott Walker. Because people didn't look at him as evil any longer. He was normalized. Democrats can't allow Trump to be normalized. But if they don't allow Trump to be normalized, they're not going to win. They, just, they, they can't have it. Now, I'll say this as well. The Republicans can benefit from the, from the obsession, endless obsession over Trump and Mueller. Um, but only politically. Not, it's not good for America. We'll be right back. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email Vicky at WIBA.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. And we're back. David Clark is standing by on the phone with me right now. Thinking about the way the Democrats are reacting to Mueller, they're not giving it up. And it's not quite as simple as the way the Democrats reacted here in Wisconsin, because eventually the Democrats did give it up. But in... In the case of Trump, um, they've teed up something, a cascade that they likely can't control any longer, even if they did pull, you know, use the mea culpa, say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, um, and allow Trump to be normalized. If Trump is normalized, you can beat him. If he's a monster, if he's a boogeyman, which most people do not accept, then your response to that is going to be far, far more well outside the mainstream and extreme. Um, And that's what the Democrats have allowed. They've allowed this cascade to be created where you've got every Democratic presidential hopeful out there talking about socialism, openly talking about socialism, obliterating the Electoral College, eliminating the idea that each state has equal representation in the Senate, openly calling for an end to due process for men. Everything is white privilege. Everybody who disagrees for, with the most radical element of the left is some hateful bigot that should be attacked. This is what the Democrats armed and weaponized because they had convinced themselves that Trump was such a unique threat. Well, now everybody sees the Democrats for the whack jobs they are. David's on the phone. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Vicki, uh, you know, we talked about this. I don't get tired of talking about it, by the way. The, the Democrats, as you mentioned, have forged a weapon out of this Mueller uh, witch hunt, this Mueller hoax, and they're not about to lay it down now. They're still... They still feel that there's some mileage that can be uh, gained out of this. Look, 
you know, if you go back, know thy enemy, right? We know that the left is illogical, they're irrational, but they're politically dangerous. And that's the thing that I worry about. The stuff that they do, they're trying to squeeze some more juice out of this orange of the Mueller uh, witch hunt. They're dragging around a dead horse, but the mistake that we make sometimes, and I see we, I'm not talking about you and I and your listeners, I'm talking about in Washington, D.C., the GOP, is they follow the left around dragging this dead horse instead of getting back to policy. The left's not going to let go of the Mueller witch hunt, but there is no more uh, juice in that orange. And the sooner that the GOP in Washington, D.C. realizes that they've had to say they know there's no collusion, we knew that there never was, there is no obstruction, but now it's time to get back to policy because we wasted a lot of time. You know, the, the, the Trump administration, which I think did a great job of uh, staying on offense on the, the Mueller investigation or the Mueller witch hunt, but now uh, he was bogged down. And as, as Barr indicated the other day in his news conference, you know, it was it was affecting his presidency on a smear, on a lie, on a hoax. But now with, with two years left, it's time to get back to policy. And I think the GOP ought to start talking about the border again. That polls well for the president. It polls well for the GOP with the American people. Seventy percent of those polled, they want that border sealed, and they want an end to illegal immigration. I think they need to bring up uh, an infrastructure bill. Make the proposal. Make the Democrats. You know you won't get it through the House. But, you know, put them on defense. Make them react. So I think the longer that... Uh, um, the the news cycle and the liberals the liberal lying liberal media is playing along with it, but the longer that they uh, drag this dead horse around, uh, the, the the more the faster the clock ticks toward the 2020 election. The Mueller witch hunt is not going to have it's not going to move the needle at all. And don't forget, keep in mind. No, I think your listeners know it. But one one last point here. Uh, keep in mind, the left, Nancy Pelosi, and the Democrats, they are trying to keep. Their numbskull, mindless followers energize. They know this is stupid. Why do we counter any more any longer after this? They're trying to keep their mindless base energized, and this still doesn't. And I'll say what else they're trying to do is I think they're trying to placate the mindless, violent base that has been called upon as an instant mob to do violence on behalf of of their of their capital T, capital C cause. So they I think they've gotten I mean, notice what happened when AOC uh, won the election in New York. She is the voice of the Democratic Party. That's what was weaponized. And I think walking away from Mueller and saying we were wrong, let's move Move on is not something the Democrats can do in some respect because their mob wouldn't permit it. The left has shown how they are willing to eat their own. And I think the folks like Nadler and Pelosi and Schumer and Schiff know it damn well and know that that mob can easily be weaponized against them, too. Um, But you're right about policy. The GOP needs to start now talking about policy. At the same time, though, I disagree. I think talking about Mueller is perfectly fine because it gives us an opportunity to shove the IG report down their throat. It gives us an opportunity to actually get attention to what will eventually be exposed as the corruption of the Democratic Party even more deeply uh, with the investigation that Graham is is trying to get off the ground right now. Well, it's important, too, as you know, to uh, have a a finger on the pulse of what the American people are feeling. And I just think generally, because I get to travel the country, uh, the country has moved on. They they were sick of the Mueller witch hunt a very long time ago. If you remember, I penned a piece at townhall.com. It's titled Washington Follies, the Mueller Report. And it was I, I wrote that after the report came out, 
uh, when it was made clear that there was no Russian collusion, which we all knew, there was no obstruction. And I said in that op-ed, and this is, you got to figure about maybe a month ago, three weeks ago, I said that Washington will continue to talk about this for the next several months because these are the games, this is a theater that goes on in Washington, D.C. They're totally disconnected from the American people. I don't believe that the American people really care what's in that report at this point. I really don't. I think political None of them do. Read it. I think the, the media does, but I don't think the American people really cares what's in that report. They heard no collusion, no obstruction, and they're ready to move on. I think you're right. I think they actually have already. You've seen now, I think it's somewhere around 65% of people already uh, believed it was a witch hunt in the first place. Um, so I think they are ready to move on. And th if the Democrats were smart, they'd move on, too. Because, as I said at the top of the show, um, voters have a short attention span. And they, and they, strangely, have this unlimited capacity to completely forget uh, and not necessarily forgive, but forget just how they were getting screwed uh, and vote for Democrats. Notice what happened here in Wisconsin. You, you had you had Tony Evers. Once Scott Walker wasn't the boogeyman anymore, he was able to say, oh, geez, I'm just here. I am just a nice guy. Why don't you elect me? I think the Democrats could actually have some advantage if they let it go. But but the, the Mueller report being out there that teed up this cascade of wacky. Um, that is something that I think the, the Democrats themselves think they need uh, in order to justify the crazy, to justify Bernie Sanders, to justify, uh, you know, this guy from South Bend talking about socialism, to justify the talk of obliterating the Electoral College. They need something to justify that. And if the Republicans, as you say, were smart, they would start doing policy and talking about things in the way that average American Joes um, want to hear them talk about things and and to talk about things average American Joes want them to talk about. I think that contrast would be incredibly powerful for 2020. Sure, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with, I hope people don't get me wrong, I don't think they do. There's nothing wrong with infusing that once in a while into the the, the, the public discussion or the political, I should say, the political discussion, but not focus on it. In other words, an example, the GOP in the House, Put together a bill on infrastructure. You know it's not going to—it's uh, uh, not going to ever get off the ground. So what? You're now showing America you're ready to get back to the business of governing and doing things that, that are important to the American people. Propose some immigration fix. You know it's never going to get uh, see the, full, the the light of day. But so what? It'll still show the American people. And then every once in a while you could say, Hey, look, the Democrats continue to, to focus on the Mueller witch hunt. So you can you can keep an eye on it. And then get a shot in there, but then come back to, but the American people care about blah, blah, blah. Because I think eventually, because we have a crumbling infrastructure in this country, and it's all across the United States. We have aging bridges. We have terrible roads. The airports need updating. There is going to be a catastrophe. It's a ticking time bomb. And then when, it's, when it happens, all of a sudden, all the Washington people will run toward that. And it'll all be, oh, it's Trump's fault. Oh, it's this. Well, Trump's been there two years, and they didn't do anything about it, so on and so forth. I think a way to preempt it is just toss it out there and say something to the effect of, we don't want to wait till a bridge collapses before we do something for the American people. The Democrats I'd like to see Trump do this, too. So you could stay on it. 
I, I think tr I would like to see Trump actually participate in this in sort of a list of things. Um, continue to talk about immigration. Continue to talk about the, the border and start adding things in because he's the one who can very easily say, I've tried to actually be the responsible party here and govern while you have been obsessing over lies and smears. I've tried to be the responsible person. The only thing I have is an executive authority. I have attempted to use my executive authority on behalf of the American people, and instead I get dragged into court. I get left-wing judges hanging up the stuff I want to do. This is what we need to do. And, and it's time that the Democrats join the Republicans in working together to get this done. Because I obviously can't do all of this with a pen and a phone. No, without a doubt. I, that's why I said uh, I, I interrupted you for a second. I said he's the best at it. He's the best at messaging. He's the best at staying on offense. He knows how to do this. He knows the left like the back of his hand, just like I do. And there's an effective countermeasure to this. And if he could only get the GOP on the Hill in Congress and the House and the Senate to follow his lead, for heaven's sakes, there was that uh, uh, veto measure on his emergency declaration where 13 Republicans joined every Democrat in, in uh, trying to uh, take away his president executive authority that's codified in law to declare a, uh, the, the southern border a national emergency. So he can't even get, uh, you know, keep all the GOP on the farm. It's like trying to herd cats, but at the same time, I think he's got enough there because it's really about messaging when you're in Washington, D.C., as you know. Who controls the narrative? That's who takes the lead. That's who stays on offense. And then the other side is always countering or having to counter or respond in reactive type fashion to what the left proposes. That's why the president does what he does, which I know uh, upsets some people on our side. Like, for instance, after the Mueller report originally came out and it said no collusion, uh, no obstruction, the president right away suggested he threw out, we need to go back to the repeal of Obamacare. And the GOP and the Senate went wild. They said, why do you want to touch that button? I'll tell you why you want to touch that button. And, and he was very clear in saying it. He says, hey, you guys all ran on this. We said we were going to do this for the American people. Promises made, promises kept. That was a theme of his about six months ago. He and the, the vice president were out there and they kept saying promises made, promises kept. They need to get back to those themes. So, of course, Mitch McConnell comes out and says, we are not taking up the repeal of Obamacare. Okay, that's fine, but that wasn't um, what the president was trying to do. The president was trying to poke the left to get them to respond to him. And that's what the the GOP on the Hill does not have the know-how, does not have the ability to do. So I keep telling these people, just follow Trump's lead. You might not like the tweeting, you might not like this, but these are guerrilla warfare tactics in this political struggle that we we're in. We're under siege, by the way, with political violence. You saw that story the other day where a cleric, a priest in Seattle, Washington, was fueling up his car. Some lefty came up and said, how's Trump doing? The, the priest said, I don't know. And he punched the cleric in the face, for heaven's sake. That's not rare. That's not the first time this has happened. We are under siege, and I don't know that we really know that we are. So it's, it's time to get, as we get right. closer to 2020, this is just the appetizer. As we get closer to 2020, I just, I, and should some other thing, and it will, like you said, as we get closer to the election, we won't even be talking about what we're talking about today. New stuff comes up, but keep this in mind. Something may happen on that Supreme Court. Now, I'm not predicting or hoping for anybody's uh, anything bad to happen to anybody on the Supreme Court, but it may happen. 
The probability is there. That's all I'm saying. If it does, I'm telling you, Katie, bar the door, because it is going to be all-out political war. Yeah, that, what happened to that priest that you're talking about it has, it is part of the cascade that was teed up when the Democrats decided that at all costs, nothing mattered. No institution, the rule of law, the Constitution, nothing mattered. They just needed to get Trump. I'll tell you where that came from. That came from the Democrats openly attacking people of faith. That came from attacks on Amy Coney Barrett. That came from attacks on, on uh, Brett Kavanaugh. That came, that's where that came from. That became a proxy for Trump. That's why that guy attacked a priest. The guy didn't have a political sticker, didn't have anything on his car. This is what they have teed up. And and I agree with you. The Republicans got to understand this is guerrilla warfare going on right now. The Democrats can't control it. Another reason why they won't apologize and move on. And I think if the Republicans show themselves to be competent, but also quali- qualified in actually fighting this fight, then there's no way Trump doesn't win in 2020. If, 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 and it doesn't take a lot to actually, you know, check the boxes on the ifs I'm talking about here. Sure. They still though, And I say they, I'm talking about the, the GOP at the national level and sometimes at the state level here. Uh, they still show uh, a bit of, uh, uh, they're, they're being timid on some of this stuff. And I don't necessarily mean uh, in a physical force type nature, but I'm talking about taking the lead. You and I on your program have talked about some of the things that the GOP and the state should propose. You know, our gun rights okay. are under siege. The First da- Amendment is under siege. Right David? to life is under siege. And they're not proposing anything, though, to force da- Evers to veto a... David, totally out of time. So I'm going to have to cut this That's short. Okay. Thank you for coming on the show today. Great to have you on the program. Happy Easter, Vicky. Uh, our- Happy Easter. You as well. You as well. And- Welcome back to the program. Uh, who is this in my studio? We need some, we need some, uh, some theme music, Joel. Just so you know, just so you know, because we've got a special guest. Oh, I was going to save that for the segment. Or the right. Segment. Well, we can. We, if he's in the studio. He can talk on the on the microphone. Yeah, you get on. It's all right. There it's, you go. I'm here. It's all right. Okay, okay. What was that old commercial where it had the? Um, was it a was it a, a butter or something that? It's all right. Oh, oh, yeah. That, that, what that, was that, that thing? What was that? What, what was that ad? Okay, you you um you pop culture butter, butter, and it was it was like a non-butter butter. Was yeah, it like was it a butter margarine ad? or something? Yeah. But, anyway, if the, yeah, for those of you yeah. who remember that ad, it was from the seventies, maybe eighties, perhaps before that, but it, perhaps it, it aired. Well, there you then. go. So once anyway. you hear me, I'm I'm on the air. So Jim that's, that's good. Troopus is going to be joining me after the break, folks. So stick around because here comes the judge. <laughs> Court. <laughs> is called to order. We're going to take a break, though, first for news, and I'll be back with our pal Jim Troopas. We'll be right back. Hear ye, hear ye. Court is now in session. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Order in the courtroom. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. 
Session. In session on a beautiful. How beautiful do you call day. court to order, Jim? How do you how how would you do this when you were Dane County judge? Well, actually, the judge doesn't call a court to order. Your bailiff does. Your bailiff your calls bailiff, the court to your order. Bailiff calls it to order. Yeah. Did you ever bang the gavel? Oh yes, oh yes, and you know, yeah, very much. And was it? Did, is it your personal gavel? Yes. Or are these provided? You have to actually purchase well, your own I mean, gavel. Well, I mean, you have to, but I did. Okay. I had my own, you know, and. And, Crack. Uh, there were there were times there were times I wished to throw it at somebody, <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, no, you, you you know, yeah, you know. All I've got is a bell. That's why <laughs> I don't have a gavel. <laughs> I have a bell. I love the crack. Though I love the, love the the crack of the the, the 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 standard protocol at the beginning, and it's just really important protocol is all rise. The court is in session, and and it's a it's the moment in time when you separate society at large from your courtroom and it's a really important moment in in all of the judiciary all over the world but certainly in america the western culture all rise because you must instantly show your respect for the law as represented by the judge or the court in session well i do want i do want to get to this idea of respect for the law right um, because and and why 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 don't we start there with respect for the law? No, I'm not going to start with Mueller. I'm going to start with a, a district attorney who was elected in the fall of 2018, so very recently, um, in Dallas, Texas, who has decided he's just not going to prosecute crimes because he doesn't think they ought to be prosecuted because he thinks that the law itself is racist. Or Kim Fox in Chicago. This was a movement that, that got almost no attention. It's gotten a little bit of attention now that candidates were funded specifically if they pledged not to respect the law, to change the law because they had, they had power that was virtually unchallengeable except by the voters. It's a um, remarkable moment, again, in history when, when that happens. Um, we actually have a system, I mean, that is a system where what you've just described is the end of the law as we know it, okay? It, that individuals take it upon themselves to decide what the law will be. There's a, the species of that often is called selective prosecution, but it's not even selective prosecution because you're just choosing not to enforce it. But there's an interesting side like there, Vicki, that, that a lot of people don't realize, which is that the jury system is, in fact, the ultimate statement of democracy and of our laws. And I always point to the O.J. Simpson. I wrote several articles about this at the time, um, about the, from Blackstone to O.J., and, and, and that the problem that is faced by a jury that simply will not accept the testimony of parties, even though they know the testimony to be true, because they're so angry at the system or so angry at um, the potential outcome that they won't allow it to happen. And that's, of course, what happened in the OJ case, right? They, they, they um, nullified, and it's called the doctrine of nullification, they nullified the law by their act. Our founders understood that one. They understood that society as a whole jury of 12 that's a lot of people it's not just one guy could and do on occasion reject 
the a statement of of what would otherwise be the law or the facts in favor of some other principle. And so OJ is just the case most people recognize as the, the African-American community simply rejecting the idea that he should be convicted. Interesting you bring up juries as well. And I, and I, you know, I remember someone saying um, after, you know, a lot of people said after OJ he got away with murder. And I said it was a jury of 12 of his peers. Yeah. A jury of 12 of his peers. Asked, you know, sent him on. Um, I was. I had it been a negotiated deal. Um, different problem. Different problem. Right. So that's why I'm glad you brought up juries. The because most people are are not going to a jury trial. Most people are getting some kind of plea deal or some sort of negotiated outcome. And, you know, I mean, the question on the table for a lot of folks is how many, I mean, look look at the what just the people who pled guilty in the Mueller investigation. Um, look at the people who were forced to plead guilty in the John Doe investigation. How many people are pleading guilty not getting jury trials because they don't have the money, they don't have the right. resources, they can't. So is that not a denial of the Constitution um, to, to rectify this problem for them, I mean, they should be able to do it. But, but frankly, if you don't have the money to do it and you don't have a prosecutor wanting to do it or you have a prosecutor who is willing to bend the law, then, I mean, the jury of your peers some, suddenly becomes a, a luxury, it seems to me. Well, look, you know, I, I, you've hit upon something that could, we could talk about for many hours because there's a lot of nuances in what you just said. Um, the cost of the system and the like. The abuse of prosecutors can take many different forms, and, and, and now I will swing it back to the Mueller uh, uh, situation. One of the ways a prosecutor abuses the system and then forces people to settle is by overcharging. So in other words, let me if I give you a 50-count complaint, so that's 50 separate charges, because the government has so many laws, no one can comply with everything, right? So I can find some statute somewhere that says you did something, like obstruction of justice. The whole concept is, a, is one that is fraught with 50 counts. Okay, so now I got 50 counts. I can't, it takes me an hour to, or two hours to read them in court to the defendant. The defendant is... I don't care how rich you are, how many good lawyers you have. The problem is you got to peel that onion. you got to take away count 50, count 49, count 48, 547. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just an impossible task, right? And we've allowed prosecutors to do that. And judges have allowed them to do that. And the, the, the problem then becomes for a defendant in any of these cases that they're faced with bankruptcy or pleading. I mean, see it on the civil side as well. Those are cases brought with, you know, seeking damages with 500 different theories of the case. But, but in the criminal area, we're, we're way closer to what the founders were most were very concerned about, that the system always requires a level of trust, a level of belief in the validity of law, and a moral compass in imposing that. When you don't have that anymore, when you have people coming up with as they did yesterday, charging people but not charging them, right? I mean, that's to put it all out there, but it's not real. I can't really charge you. Th then you've got a real potential for abuse. And the, the Kim Fox thing in Chicago, the person you mentioned in Dallas, the prosecutors that do that, they're, they're still the exception. They're still the exception, but maybe not for long. 
maybe but it's become more and more normalized uh the left cheers on Mueller. the left cheers on the abuse the the left cheers on weaponizing doj and cia and fbi against one guy they hate just like in wisconsin the left cheered on kevin kennedy and the government accountability board and the john doe judges that weren't even reading warrants um until the very last one and because it's because the political outcome is what they desire. S- simultaneously, you get somebody who's accused of homicide or rape in a news media story. It doesn't matter. The public is cheering on that prosecutor. You right. know, I mean, this is so the public is part of the problem. The same public that is getting screwed if they can't get a jury of their peers is part of the problem. Well, most people don't see Vicky, I think the problem for most people in, in so many of these situations is they're never faced with it. Okay, so in a society in which so few people are charged with crimes, and the ch- crimes that are charged are charged against the same people all the time, um, is that they feel it'll never come to their door. It, it, it will never be, as I so often say, a knock on their door. But then all of a sudden it is. Um, and, and when that happens, when that happens, you have a lot more appreciation for all of these protections that we have put in place. Uh, including the binary choice of prosecutor, don't prosecute, don't accuse people when you're not going to prosecute them. So those kinds of civil way of dealing with things has protected all of us for a long time. And the fact is that knock could be at your door tomorrow. That's just the way it works. We're going to take a break here. Judge Jim Troopas in the studio. Um, we'll come back after just a couple of minutes here and, and happy, do you say happy Good Friday See, to the people? problem is it feels wrong to say happy it Good doesn't... Friday. I just got done reading The Passion at the church. A good it's, Good Friday to a everyone. A good Good Friday and a happy Easter. There. We'll there be right go. back. I just ate a granola bar. So it's going to sound like I ate a granola bar. I tried to wolf it down during the commercial break. I'm so hungry. It was a s'mores treat. Golden Graham s'mores no. treat bar. It's Let so, me see that. Yes. S'mores. Yes, and it tasted just like s'mores. So good. Um, so I apologize because I try, I really did try to wolf it down and, and not have to sound like I had just had eaten something. My husband came by and gave me a, a <laughs> snack. Yeah, not a juice box though. But no, I got a. I got yeah, a, my. Go. He was yeah. here to pick up our dog, and and so he brought me a granola bar, or a s'mores bar rather. Um, we do have a, a, a real quick question before we go back to our our more deep um, discussion about the law here, uh, and that is Jim Troopas wants to know if painters move furniture. If you hire painters, will they move furniture? You know, it's because that's a big. It's a big issue. You know, you get. Uh, uh, there's so much stuff like in our house, you know, cabinets and all kinds of stuff that needs to be moved. And it's just me and my wife. There's no way. So they must run into this all the time. But, you know, they've got to move it and they got to put so, it in there. And yes, that was so just, just our it. question. Do painters move furniture? Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of furniture. So, you know, our painters didn't move around a lot of stuff. But uh, they did move the couch, um, a chair. So I mean they were moving they were moving things out of the way so they could paint a little bit. Uh, but, but I don't but know about the rooms that they just need to yeah. move. Don't know. Uh, but so there there's the question right there. There you go. And email me and I will let Jim know and um because you know a new coat of paint is amazing thing. It does amazing things for your mood. 
Uh, the chaos as it's going on also does amazing. Think about that in the spring too, you know, because everything's bright colored and you know it's good. So I'm very happy. Yeah, I've got a brand new, fresh coat of paint on on my house, and uh, and it's still chaos though. So still going home. That's why the dog is here today. Uh, <laughs> so uh, a, and I love my dog. Reason. I love my dog. I love my dog. But I, you know, five days at work is just it's hard. Tough. Yeah. Tough. All right. Let's go back to what we were just talking about though, because. If, you know, if, if prosecutors decide to abuse the law, or in, in the case of the Dallas guy, I'm going to abuse the law by not even enforcing it. I'm, right. I'm just going to, frankly, nullify it myself. And, or I'll overcharge, which essentially, you know, renders the constitutional process impossible, which one might argue is a different form of nullification. Um, when this happens, and... And even though you're exactly right, people don't think it's going to be the knock at their door. And you know what? 99 times out of 100, it's not going to be the knock at your door. It's going to be the knock at somebody else's door. But because I don't think, as a nation, we appreciate the necessity of the constitutional process, or we appreciate the wisdom of why our legal system was set up the way it is, and we don't, because number one, we're not taught it, but number two, we're told that the law is too complicated to understand, and Jim, in many cases it is. Yes. We throw our hands in the air. I, I would argue that that the trust in this system, our adversarial, you know, blind justice system, is is perhaps never to be salvaged because it has gone so far afield. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to go that far, but I, but I will say that... We've talked about this. We talked about this every time there's a public scandal involving the use of the law by government. The we start to really wonder whether the commitment of the people to the law is higher than their commitment to a political party or a particular outcome. Th- that was something our again the founders truly understood the difference between those two things. You could have whatever political belief you wanted. You could have whatever strange religious belief you wanted. It didn't matter because in the end, we all respected the law as the law. The judge is the judge. The, the, the president is the president or the governor is the governor. I mean, these, the attorney generals. We, you might hate the guy, but you have to respect the law. The law that they enforced or that they used. I mean, that, that, so this is, and, and I don't think there's any doubt, any doubt that our faith in those systems has been shaken and shaken purposefully by I, the left. Shaken I would purposefully say pr- purposely to, to shatter it right. so it can be remade. Every time they look challenge at, an election. Look at him. Look at Mueller. Mueller, who is, it is estimated in, within two months he knew that there was no such thing as Russian right, collusion. Right. You had the law enforcement agencies knowing that the dossier was, was unfounded. It was unsourced, entirely unverified and unverifiable. But they presented it to a judge in a FISA court. Mueller knew, it is estimated, within two months that it was all bogus. Everybody and he knows continued now, right? the investigation. Continued the investigation for two years to find whether or not the process of that investigation, chasing a ghost that didn't exist based on a lie, could have potentially produced some charges, some indictments, some convictions. That is an abusive process, Jim. Correct, correct, correct. Whether it's correct, illegal correct. or illegal, it's an abusive process. Well, the whole special counsel 
law is an abusive process in my view, but the the um, the fact that they knew, and this is the telling part about the report, because it's basically a series of innuendos and rumors that they go trace down, and which, by the way, they never should have written down, right? I mean, if you conclude from a whole series of things, let's just take the Trump meetings at the uh, uh, Trump Tower. So that's not a good example because that is something you probably should have described. But let's assume they know that nothing happened at the Trump meeting. That's it. Just say that. Go on to something else. I mean, you don't then spend a hundred subpoenas with a hundred people spending a thousand dollars an hour for lawyers. So you can continue to feel that you're searching down every corner and nook and cranny so that you can cause pain to these people. What's clear from the report, Wall Street Journal has a beautiful piece today about this, is that what it proves on its face is that these people were out to get the president. They were not prosecutors out to determine if there was a criminal offense. They were supposed to be the latter, not the former. Yeah, and that they were the former is strongly suggestive that our system is just plain broken. Seriously broken. We'll take a break here. News is uh, the news. What am I saying? News comes your way next, and then Jim and I'll be right back. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email Vicky at WIBA.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Jim Troopers, I have an answer for you on your question about whether painters move things, furniture. Here's the answer. You ready? Got it. Depends on which painting company you hire. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the great depends. The but great depends. But there are people out there that will do it. The, exactly. So what you, what the recommendation is to you know call for your, to, to ask somebody to come out and quote your job. But before you do that, ask if they would be willing to move furniture in order to yeah, um, accomplish the goal. If they do it at my place, I'm not moving furniture. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Let's go back to the Mueller report here for a second. Um, this is important because it hasn't been stated yet. Everybody's fixated on what's in the Mueller report, not whether it should be there. But it shouldn't be there. Good, good point. Very, it shouldn't be there. If you're not going to charge someone with a crime, why are you detailing the the you know the the the, the smears? In, this it, is a prosecutor. He's a special prosecutor. He's not a special investigatory body. This isn't a legislative body no. doing an investigation. This is a special prosecutor. He has narrow authority granted to him in a letter which didn't include obstruction of justice volume two set that aside for a minute but the 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 point is he's a prosecutor you don't think that the fbi when it's investigating joe smith because he's selling narcotics 
is going to take two years investigating Joe Smith and every aspect of Joe Smith's life to determine if they've missed one of the offenses he might have committed. Yeah. No, that's you, not the way it works. You're not going to look at, at Joe Smith's phone records to his doctor to find out whether or not Joe Smith has been selling narcotics on the side. You're going to... Just find out if Joe Smith has been selling narcotics. narcotics and, if, and you determine that he hasn't been, you deep six it, we're going to somebody else, Fred. I mean, the, the point, the, the, the problem here, I was a minute ago saying off the air, the problem is not necessarily even the people working for Mueller. They worked for Mueller. Mueller is the adult in the room. He's a former head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation when we used to respect it. And as head, he supposedly had been in in charge of all kinds of things that people in Washington thought very highly of him. So here he is, the adult in the room, and he doesn't just stop the thing. He he should have stopped it. The moment he had determined there was no collusion, you don't continue to press on to see if you can't find something else somebody will do in the future as the investigation is going on that you are then able to charge as a process crime. Mike Flynn, case in point, Mike Flynn charged with a process crime. The entire reason Mike Flynn is charged with a process crime is because of the investigation that Mueller already knew was not going to produce evidence of collusion, but the investigation was continuing on because it had no end date. an entire volume here, 200 pages of something that it, it was irrelevant to his investigation. I mean, that there was no underlying crime in the first instance. You would never go on to an obstruction. There was no obstruction. That's, of course, that's what Barr said. He said, you know, Donald Trump was P.O.'d. I mean, he really was upset because he's a human being, and you're destroying his presidency by this slow walk to nowhere. To nowhere. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, there isn't one of these ten things I wouldn't have done. I'd have done a lot more. I mean, there isn't one thing. If here. someone's, if somebody I, I is, is one a witch hunt investigation against you, me too. I mean, Not I, only would I would have said go fire the sob to everybody who might have had the authority to go fire the sob. I would have been probably screaming that in a, in a in an office or in a boardroom. I'd have been screaming that. You bet I would have told my flack to go tell the press that this was an unfair and just, phony investigation. Damn right I would have. I would have taken to social media. I would have. I would have advised my kid. It was my kid. I would have advised my kid um, on how to handle the investigation. Absolutely would have done that. I would have said nice things about the people I like, like Trump uh, praising Paul Manafort. I'd have been pissed off at the people who were, who were you know, cooperating and trying to hang me out to dry. I mean, and then some, Jim. Everybody does this. And it's this. not I mean, obstruction. A, I mean, there isn't a single, come on, Democrats. Come on, the Paul Soglins of the world and the Jim Doyles of the world and the other ones, Tony Evers of the world. You tell me, you wouldn't, if somebody came after you personally and attempted to destroy your governorship, you wouldn't call in your chief of staff swearing at him and tell him, you fire the head of the Department of Administration that let this happen. You fire him. And your chief of staff, by the way, would go out in the other room and he would calmly wait, put that in the drawer, and two days later he'd come back in and say, Tony, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. Tony would go, yeah, I was just pissed off. Okay, welcome to the real world. Nobody in their right mind would have investigated that or 
done that. Now that gets to the second incredible abuse by Mueller that he is a slime ball. He let his prosecutors, who clearly had an agenda against Trump, I mean, I, it, nobody can read the report and not know that. Everybody knows that. Nobody's saying they didn't. They, they'll say they were justified in it, but they're not going to say they weren't after Trump. And he had rabid people, rabid people on his staff. Okay, we all have rabid people that work for us. I was in charge of almost 100 lawyers, okay? Many times I'd have 15 lawyers working on one matter. You don't think that they brought to me stuff that I read and I go, John, nah, we're not writing that. No, we're not doing that. Oh, but you got to do this. Jim, you got to do this. No, we don't. That'll just get upset. There's no reason to put that in there. I know it'll make you feel better, but it's not advancing our case, so it's not going in. That's what Mueller was supposed to do with this report. He was supposed to... No, he to, sat down and he wrote it in the most petty fashion. He did Simply to it. provide, simply to provide right. fodder for Democrats. And this, was, this was written by a bunch of associates that worked for him, and he said it was okay when he brought it over to the Justice Department. That is slime ball, horrible, horrible behavior by a former head of the FBI. Because now what he has done is he has slimed a public figure and others, and others as well. We only concentrate on Trump in this, but there's plenty of people slimed in this thing. By putting out things that, that for which there would never be a prosecution, no intention to bring a prosecution, he just put it out there. Whether it was to defend the FBI, as many people are saying, or whether it was to attack Trump or attack his associates, the bottom line is we have to have a higher expectation of the former head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But you see, Comey follows him, and I am sure that if you polled the question about respect for the FBI today versus 20 years ago, you're going to get a very different answer. And that is a sad state of affairs because we have to rely on these institutions. And doesn't that take us back, Vicki, to where we started an hour ago, talking about prosecutors not prosecuting, prosecutors over-prosecuting, prosecutors making decisions on their own, judges deciding we just aren't going forward to that. It, it undoes our respect for the institutions that we rely upon for the success of our democracy. That's why this is such a horrible thing. That's why this report is such a horrible thing. It's not a plus. It's a minus in so many ways. And it never should have happened. And it's and it cost the country. It cost the country two years oh. of of a, of a of a rightly fairly elected governing body. From I mean, it cost us two years of action that we demanded in November of 2016. We'll never know what we didn't do. And, the, and, and that's the point to the Democrats. Good for us. Look what we did. We caused a constitutional crisis. Look what we did. Just like in Wisconsin, when the Democrats right. left Wisconsin. Just like with the John Doe. Good for us. We're cheering on our, our complete abusive process, our, our obliteration of the rules of engagement and the rule of law itself. But look at the outcome. It was good for us. Hang on a second, Jim. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Jim Troopas in the studio here. Jim. Consequences. Consequences. Consequences, Vicki. There's a consequences. One of the things, the way that John Doe ended here was really pretty bad. Because, yeah, we got away with it. Eric O'Keefe, the absolute hero. Um, and we didn't even gotten the result we had, but for Eric O'Keefe, but for the fact that he happened to be there at that moment and, and he was willing to do the things he needed to do, got lawyers to do it. But there were no consequences. The only people who suffered consequences as far as the John Doe were concerned are the people that still wake up in the middle of the night because their doors were broken down. The only people that had consequences are the dozens, dozens if not hundreds, of people who spent their life savings or a substantial part of them defending themselves during that. I mean, some people resigned. You know, they left their jobs, went on to get another job. Some judges still on the bench. Uh, prosecutors that just did it and they move on. But there was never any consequence. Nobody went to jail for their abuse of process. No one lost all of their money because of that. No one was charged with an offense for abusing the system. So we have a lesson here in Wisconsin that I hope, I hope against hope they don't repeat in Washington. In Wisconsin, and I remember you and I talking about this with great specificity, because we talked about Governor Walker, and look, it, 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 all the great things he did and whatever, but everybody was exhausted at some point, whether it's Fitz or Voss or Walker. They were exhausted. They did not want to hear, let's go on and go after these people and do a special investigation report, and let's you know create this record. They didn't want to hear that. And by the way, I wasn't the one on the other side of it, so I'm not going to be critical in that sense because I know the personal toll it took on all of those people and many more. Washington now has the same issue. Okay, we're tired of this. I mean, I think the Democrats are nuts to pursue this any further. They gotta, they're just handing the election to Trump, and they're not going to do that. And I think you're going to see that this next week when Biden comes out. You're not going to have them talking about this very much. They still have to ad hominem attacks on Trump That's because that's part of their whole thing. But they, they got to pivot away from this. So they're just going to get slaughtered. So what about consequences? So it's very easy now for Trump, Barr, all of the others in Washington to simply go on. They won. Trump won. Democrats lost. So let's just go on. Let's That's not. what Trump did when he came into office and didn't go after Hillary. Remember during the yes, campaign? Yes, I do. He said, let's I'm not just go on. Let's, let's just put this behind us, look forward, and, and go on. And, and, no. and, and the country, and by the way, the country as a whole, I think, would say... Oh, yeah, but, but here's, it's wrong. Here's, it's, and, but here's why the country as a whole, though fatigued, should not permit this to just be swept under the rug and ignored and forgotten. Number one, the precedent it sets, there's no consequences. It'll happen again. It's going to happen again. It's sure as the sun comes yeah. up, this will happen again. But it's because of what has been stolen from us by a corrupt process and a corrupt government. The ability to have... Um, meaningful legislation, the ability for a president to utilize 
rightly his executive authority to rescind executive orders, to issue executive orders, to actually address the problems of this nation, the crisis at the border that is still untouched, to, to, to actually engage in the types of issues and talk about the kinds of things Americans care about. Instead, we've had Russia, Russia, Russia for two years. We've had impeachment, impeachment, impeachment for two years. And that is all. Not to mention you can't get the, the press, the Democratic National Committee's communication wing, to talk about anything else. They have appointed themselves the new arbiters of free speech. And in the process of all of this, Jim, besides that being lost, we have we have seen the the teeing up of a cascade of horrors in America that are now so commonplace as to be uncontroversial. Some kid wears a MAGA hat, some guy attacks him. That doesn't even make the news anymore. You can you can ridicule and rip apart and smear and slander somebody because they're Catholic? doesn't even make the news anymore. You you think that w- that boys should not be showering with girls? You lose your job. You keep your mouth shut. That's the kind of stuff we can't even talk about because in the process of weaponizing the government and the in the process of weaponizing the the um, control of the narrative and the and the information stream, the left has weaponized culture and, 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 and our own lives and thoughts against us individually. Who's afraid of the Twitter mob? Raise your hand. I see everybody's hands up in the room at this point. That's what has come from this. When the Democrats decided that everything could bend because they hated Trump so much, what they, what they tolerated and embraced and cheered on was essentially the destruction of all meaningful rules, checks, and balances. So well said. So well said, Vicki. And the, the people, because what you're arguing for is I don't care how fatigued you are. You must come out resoundingly in support of going after Damn right. these people and the Hillary Clinton mob. Because if you don't, they're just going to do it again. It's going to happen again. If these people in the FBI are not perk-walked to jail, the Comeys and the like of the world, it's going to happen again. And it's worse than that. Because... In the process, we will lose our respect for the institutions. It's not just that the institutions or individuals will do it again. The institutions themselves will be destroyed. If we have no faith in our judicial system and our prosecutorial systems, then our society is at an end. It's done. It's done. It's not this is not small potatoes and I understand the political necessities of the moment as they happened here in Wisconsin. The political necessity at the national level I understand it, but I and we have a president, thank goodness, that unlike any other president might actually go forward against these people. I hope he does, because it's not about getting someone. It's about demonstrating that behaviors that are contrary to our constitutional structure will not be tolerated. If Michael Flynn is going to be doing prison time for what FBI agents themselves described as um, honest mistake, an honest misstatement, James Comey, John Brennan, James Clapper, 
Michael McCabe. A bunch of other names that you don't even know about. I'm sorry, Andrew McCabe. Exactly. Then, yeah. It, the, the, nobody has any confidence left in the system. None. They Zero. Did, they lied to a federal FISA court that itself. And that's is, okay? And if that's okay, then why, why doesn't the next guy lie to the next FISA judge? And they will. And, and they, will. they will. Jim and I will be right back. But I knew for sure that one guitar. All right, welcome back. So here we are now with um, the a, a culture that is that has no way to say no, I guess, Jim, but is being ripped apart in service to the original, uh, originally because uh, the rules got obliterated because of the mean orange man, but now in service to a, a, such a radical minority ignorant radical minority ignorant of what it took to get this nation created in the first place and what came before the united states and what the united states did to struggle toward freedom you and i have actually given a a lecture on the history of freedom and on the continuum of freedom without any knowledge of that past whatsoever having having had it been told to them that it must be rejected without any critical thought whatsoever because white guys did had slaves or this or or for whatever reason um you have a radical element wanting to destroy starting at the cultural level and then moving up into the political and and process level to get to the government level everything everything that has come before today destroy it the institutions of the law the institution of the presidency the institution of congress the institution of the electoral college the institution of the church the institution of the family you in even we won't call it an institution but to penetrate even into your own thoughts to get you you know to if you have an ill thought if you make a stray comment to have complete and total complicity complicity bended knee to you know to to worship at st- i mean true stupidity evil stupidity and the democrats are running with that they've yeah. wrapped their arms around it and right now it seems a little crazy to hear you know joe biden talk about socialism and 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 cory booker talking about blowing up the electoral college and all of these things and you're and you're tempted to think that it's too crazy but I was, I mean, five years ago, I would have, I would have said ten things that are that are now commonplace and uncontroversial now are absolutely crazy and would be rejected, and we have no answer for it. No, it's 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 a everyone listening can understand this that we are a different place than we were thirty years ago. We are different because people really are afraid to voice their opinions. They are really afraid to do that. I don't think I don't think 30 years ago they were. I mean, the, the, and and I think that um, or as much. I mean, we're always there's always a there's always a factor that if you get in the public sphere and you express an opinion, and that you may be criticized or attacked for it. Okay, and you have to accept that as part of the democratic process. It's easier not to have that. But never did we silence everyone in advance. As we are now. In advance. In advance. In advance. We, I mean, let's, let's be honest. So here's there's, a guy, just recently, there's a, a, a Democrat, liberal Democrat cartoonist. 
doesn't do political cartoons, just funny cartoons about aliens. And in his private life, is pro-life. In his private life, is pro-life. Doesn't bring that into his cartoons. There is an effort to silence him, to have all of the different organizations that host his work stop hosting his work. How about Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. You got one guy at Chick-fil-A who makes donations to pro-life conservative Christian causes, doesn't discriminate against anybody. So because that guy, what he does in his private life, private life, destroy his company, destroy his company. I mean, look at uh, uh, Brendan, what's his name? Uh, Brendan Ike from Mozilla. Who right, has supported the, the definition of traditional marriage very much like when it was still okay to do so, Barack Obama did and Nancy Pelosi did and Hillary Clinton did. But when he made a contribution to the Prop 8 campaign in California, privately, he was, he was run out of his own company, the company he created, the company he founded, the company he built, and the company he grew. Let's just ask that question, though, I think, Vicki. Ask the question of yourself. You're not a good example. I'm saying generically others should ask the question to himself. Would I be willing to tell somebody that I attended Good Friday services today and did the Stations of the Cross or listened to the Passion and was moved? Would, would I? Would I acknowledge that it's a tradition in the Catholic Church that they have a, one of the, uh, one of the items is to pray for the unborn? And I responded, Yes. I mean, would I be willing to say that publicly? Would you be willing to say you went to go see a screening of the movie Unplanned? Yeah. Would you be willing to say you voted for Brian Hagedorn? Yes. Think think about this. Would you be willing to do this publicly if, if there was a chance it could hurt your career? Well, and you know that it can hurt your career. Exactly. So it's not, the, point is, the point here is it's, it's no longer a, a hypothetical. And it was a hypothetical in the past. When we started talking about this 10 years ago, Vicki, we were talking about it and we were, it sounded like an echo chamber. Now we're talking about it and we actually have the we, left we were, attacking We were Mark- using hyperbole yeah. 10 years ago. We were hoping that that was, that was a, you know, enough of a scary thing that it wouldn't get, we wouldn't get there but in our we lifetime. Got there. Big time. Mueller report gives you a good example of it. It's just the latest. The school board election of Dave Blaska gives you an incredible local example. D- Dave Blaska is a great example um, because Dave Blaska starts a Facebook page to support his campaign, and people are trolling his page, descending into his page, sent there by um, the you know the, the the racist radical left telling him to kill himself, um, filling up the page so that nobody else wants to participate on it with invective and profanity, um, telling him he has no right to speak, telling him he has no... I mean, to his credit, he can take it. He can take it. But did it send a signal to the next person not to even bother? But that's not... But let's let's not... I don't discount that. I mean, I know David. Like, you know David. And, I mean... The personal toll on David for for that is great. I mean, he won't necessarily acknowledge it, but the personal toll on anyone who goes through that is a very, very great in this day and it age. It fundamentally changes the way you behave. Yeah, and and so so you don't know the all of those kids. All of, by that I mean high school, college kids, uh, kids in their twenties starting their jobs now. They're learning this lesson now. That. Don't speak to those things. 
don't have an opinion different. It happens. I get than it all the time. Correct. I, I would say ten emails a week from someone who tells me they're sitting at their desk and everybody is is bashing on Trump or bashing on conservatives or bashing on pro life people, and and that's okay in the workplace. But they just sit at their desk silently and email me frustrated that they can't say anything because they're afraid for their job. They're afraid at what will happen when the people who are enthusiastically um, you know, engaging in conversation they disagree with collectively turn on that person and try to get them fired. And it's a, it, so it's, I, and, I get those emails every week, yeah, every single and, week. And you know, Vicki, the problem here is... There are many now, we can go back and there are many, many causes of these things. But as John MacGyver always used to say to me, Jim, I'm only interested in how we got here if it tells me how we get out of here. And it's, and it's, and it's a really difficult task. It is a really difficult task the, 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 to understand the panoply of different ways in which we have gotten ourselves to this spot in which invective directed at one side is acceptable and invective direct and and comments to the other side will get you into trouble that's where we are right now I mean, that's that is where we are and it's how about you say something like this when you tell me that by virtue of my skin color i am racist even though i've never done a racist thing is wrong when you tell me that that's wrong that's the kind of comment that can get you fired. It can get you fired now. It's something as benign and innocuous as saying, it is racist to accuse me of racism simply because of my skin color. To, to quote Martin Luther King Jr. will get, it, in, in defense of content of character, could get you, that. so how do we get there? We got there when the, when I will say the political realm decided that by any means necessary was going to be how they wanted to win. Well, good people stepped aside. You know, there always this, the great quotes about good people stepping aside and not participating and getting out there. Um, I had the joy of supporting Brian Hagedorn in the recent race for the state Supreme Court. And, and I expressed to him after the election how proud I was of him, that he did not back down, that he took it. And it took a good toll on him and his family. And I'm sure there were many nights he wished Maybe I just walk away from this. But he didn't because he stood against religious persecution. And that was a big, big deal. And to the Wisconsin voters' credit, they did too. As we think on this Good Friday about these kinds of things, consider that, particularly in the case of Brian Hagedorn and David Blaska, they sacrificed and they suffered. Right. Right. They did. They put themselves out there and they willingly sacrificed and willingly suffered in, in whether you agree with them or not, for other people. That's yes, what they did. Yes, to stand on a principle and they weren't backing down from that principle. That is a tough thing to do these days. We'll take a quick break here and be right back. We've got uh, a few minutes left here on the program today. Um, well, it's Good Friday, Vicky. I, I wish I had, but I, you know, I, I here's my problem. I, 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 I 
I try to think of a way that, you know, linchpin. I sort of think in linchpins. What's, what's the linchpin? What's the linchpin you can pull out that will, that will permit you to make a, a fundamental change? Because and the, the reason I think that way is in, in 2019, in, in modern culture now, even though it took us how many years? Over 200 years to get to this point. Um, the the pending collapse of our of our culture and our nation, and I just I guess I mean philosophically, intellectually, morally, is is so close that we don't have another two hundred years to try to figure out how to fix it. Recognizing that it took us two hundred and some odd years to wreck it, you know, <laughs> and fixing yes. it is yes. a lot harder than wrecking it. And so I'm just uh, there are days that I'm just left just bewildered and and uh, and pessimistic about whether or not um, whether or not we're going to be able to to pull ourselves out of this one it's not that I don't think America will survive in some way or another I'm just not sure that that it will survive in a way that that a that allows us to to reach for greatness consistently and 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 and, 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 and inspire the rest of the world but and with that remember that this is Easter and the great lesson of Easter, that there is a resurrection, that out of all of the Great Depression, out of all of the Good Friday moment of the death of the Savior, that there's a resurrection, that against all odds, there will be a tomorrow, and that it will be a better tomorrow, and that it can be a great tomorrow. And that, that I think, is the joy of Easter, Easter Sunday, after going through the tritium, it's, is that, and it, it speaks across cultures, across the world, is a genuine optimism. A, but it is an optimism based on faith. Faith that it will be better. You can look at all the facts, and it's not going to be. But your faith will endure, and that you've got to believe. All right. I, I I do generally have some have, have <laughs> this a, weekend especially uh, a, 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 an, an alarming amount of to some people's mind a faith that somehow we're going to get through this or I wouldn't I wouldn't see any point in continuing the fight um, or or asking people to try to um, be brave and be courageous be like Brian Hagedorn be like David Blaskup you know I mean be like Donald it, it, by the Trump way, be like Donald I mean, Trump but it doesn't have to be run for school board run for Supreme Court you know it's put your bumper sticker on the back of your car that says choose life you know it's it's not hide um, you know if you if you if you're in, in feel like praying it's not hiding that it's not allowing yourself to be terrified into silence and 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 intellectual slavery because in the process your values are the ones that will disappear absolutely you will eventually destroy your own value system by doing this it will leave you um, miserable and nihilistic it will leave you in a place that is um, that is difficult to to endure yeah and so you have to believe you have to have faith that we can come out of this um, one of the, again, I'm not, you know, Donald Trump, you can like him, you can hate him the way he is and whatever. But you know what? He wakes up every single morning and says, it's a great day and we're going to win. Yep. And, you know, it's, it is a 
difficult thing to do on many days. He's America's gipper. Yep. He kind of is. David Blaska actually yesterday on the program said um, that he was he was optimistic that his participation in this small way, which actually um, in Madison is a is much larger than he thinks, but his participation has led to um, some people feeling freer to dis- to dissent. Yes. So that's. That's what I'm talking about. It. You don't. I mean, no. No one's asking you to change the world by running for Congress. Nobody's asking you to. But we're asking. So, in the case of the Supreme Court, oh, I saw this across Wisconsin. God's being attacked. Christian faith is being attacked. What was the response from people in Wisconsin to defend God? Yeah. They weren't necessarily defending Brian Hagedorn. They were defending their faith, and so. I, I don't know. That, that, those are the types of things that, that I take some, um, some inspiration from. I think about the amazing success of the movie Unplanned. And the, um, just last week in, I think it was Muskegon, Michigan, uh, 200 or so people showed up when Planned Parenthood wanted its lease renewed and convinced the town council to say no. So it's those kinds of things right. that, you know, right. then, you know, then the next day, some priest gets beat up by a guy just for being a priest because he's a proxy for Trump. And the guy decides at the gas station he wants to beat him up. So, there, you know, this goes back and forth well, with me, Jim. My daughter, my daughter just moved and she had invitations from five different people to go to five different churches where she is. So there is hope. And, you know, say a prayer at, on Sunday at your Easter meal and. Think about tomorrow. It's going to be a good day. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for coming in. Judge Jim Troopers, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful Easter.